Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. With great change like we've all been experiencing, and you know what I mean, comes great conflict. This can be the open door for new kinds of leadership and for bringing into being fresh possibilities that foster a more equitable, peaceful, and sustainable world. What is the feminine aspect of leadership? How can that take us where we are longing to go? My guest today brings her rich experience to shine light on the path forward. Stay tuned. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. What's your creative innovator style? Find out your creative advantage by taking the creative innovator quiz. Open your creative flow and make everything you want to do in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every minute. So my guest today is Pamela Thompson. You'll probably hear me call her Pam because I've known Pam for a long time, you know, in in different scenarios. Um, But Pam, as president of Creative Life Coaching and Consulting and president of the national nonprofit Female Wave of Change Canada, Pam supports women to step into their authentic feminine leadership and become catalysts for change. And don't we need that? for so long, but absolutely right now. Pamela is the author of the number one best-selling book, Learning to Dance with Life, a guide for high-achieving women. Pamela has over 25 years experience as a university professor, professional facilitator, project manager, and consultant in North America, Latin America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. This is one well-traveled woman. She has worked in conflict zones and with organizations, including the World Health Organization. Pamela is honored to be ambassador for Canada of Female Wave of Change, a global movement that unites women and some men, changing the world into a better place for future generations through authentic feminine leadership. Welcome, Pamela Thompson. I'm so thrilled that you're here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Great. So let's let's dive right in. And, and you know, really what I have seen about you is that you have a big mission. And I'd say you're, you know, when people talk about um, mission driven people, you know, sometimes people can say, what does that mean? Well, we don't even have to know what that is. But I would say about you, you are kind of that quintessential mission driven person and leader. And um, what would you say is your mission right now? Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> Are you okay if I say how it's evolved, Laura? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> how you came to it is part how of I, How I came to it. Well, a number of years ago, before I wrote my book, and I launched my book in 2015, um, I got a strong message that my mission was to help build peace in the world one woman at a time. Hmm. because when women find inner peace, they then build it in their families, their communities, their workplace, and it ripples out. So I initially got that. However, that's not sort of something that you market. (laughs) I'm helping you build peace in the world. Anyway, and then later on, I got, I'm here to 
to promote peace and understanding, to build peace and understanding because of my work with so many different cultures around the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. So the, the understanding came in. And then more recently, since I've been involved with Female Wave of Change, I'm getting that my mission is to co-create a better world. Mm, and, and if I go really, I get a world that works for everyone, but that's a bit scary to go to that one. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sort of feeling into a better world, a more conscious, equitable, just, sustainable, and peaceful one, which incorporates mm-hmm. a number of things from the past, but it's really, really focused on, on co-creating. So working with others to create this better world. Ah, okay. So since I talk a lot about co-creation and co-creating, I, you know, I love, of course, that you say that and, you know, and I'm, and I'm really uh, hopeful that as we, we have our conversation today that you will weave into whatever we talk about those aspects that are about bringing people together and I want to say it this way from their highest potential from their highest place in order to bring because we can co-create a mess (laughs) 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 and I don't think I've ever thought about that or said that but it's true and and I know that's not what you're about so so how does that um, how does that bring you into the that aspect of feminine leadership? That's a great question. Um, well, for me, feminine leadership uh, is all about qualities that we think of. And these men can also have them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's qualities such as creativity, mm-hmm. such as compassion, such as inclusiveness, such as um, emotional intelligence and intuition and being intuitive. And these qualities are typically associated with the feminine and have not been associated with the way our systems and corporations run. Mm -hmm. And so what I see today and what's coming through in my work and also based on, I used to be, you know, I have a research background as well, is that I'm seeing that the time is really ripe for change. Yes. And when you look at the structures and the organizations that have been built, they've been largely based on masculine qualities, such as competition, valuing doing more than being, um, not promoting sustainability, but all about profit, not concerned Mm -hmm. about people or planet. So to me, when I think about feminine leadership, I think about bringing these qualities of the feminine to the fore in our organizations, in our communities, in our families, and reshaping and changing our paradigms. So we see organizations not based on that unsustainable masculine model, but more bringing the feminine up so it dances, if you will, or works with the masculine, because we still need a lot of the masculine energy to move forward and get things done. However, it's really important to bring these other elements like creativity, um, collaboration, compassion, inclusiveness to the fore, because otherwise we're all going to burn out and our structures, it's, they're falling apart. It's very mm-hmm. clear. That's so what's me, very clear. Feminine, feminine leadership is all about leading the charge, if you will, to create this better world yeah. based on those qualities that I mentioned. Yeah. Cause it, it things really are falling apart <laughs> and it, and I don't say that in a, in a really in a negative way. I, I, I say that from the perspective of, well, if things don't fall apart, how do we get to recreate them? How do we get to create something in its place? And that's, it sounds like you are on the, the cutting edge of that. Well, thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
So how is it that you're doing that? I mean, what is it that, uh, so, you know, you've said, okay, this is what's brought me to, to this. This is what I see happening. How are you doing it? Okay. I'm doing it in a number of ways, but I would, and I would say that the lead on it is um, as a, as an ambassador for Canada of this global social movement you mentioned when you introduced me, female wave of change. Now this organization started in the Netherlands in January, 2017. So it's really hmm. relatively young, and it was started by a woman, um, IT engineer, uh, and her name is Ingrid Boll. And she worked in corporate for a number of years and rose in the ranks. And when she went to, on leadership and management trainings, what she found is there was very little content given or consideration given to being a woman and being a woman in a culture of culture. And what about the feminine part of managing and leading? And so she left corporate uh, in 2003 and she became an international consultant, traveled and worked all over the world and did very well. But she started to this niggling in the back of her mind about this lack of she called it authentic feminine leadership and thinking about how can we lead from the feminine and how can we accelerate change and reshape the world and create a better world. So she founded Female Wave of Change, as I mentioned, in 2017, and she changed her LinkedIn profile. Huh. And she thought at that point it would be an organization for the Netherlands. She didn't have a grand vision. Mm-hmm. So she changed her LinkedIn profile and all these women from all various parts of the world got in touch with her and said, oh, Inga, this sounds amazing. How can we be part of this? So the organization grew and today we're in almost 50 countries around the world. Wow. It's, it's wow. amazing. And we, we're talking about women from all walks of life, young women who want to be mentored and are stepping into their leadership to incredible women working as mining engineers, artificial intelligence experts, um, consultants, coaches, people who are, you know, into cryptocurrency. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Like from radio and television all over the world, amazing, amazing women. And the thing that binds us together is one, wanting to make a positive difference and two, having a big heart and leading from our hearts. Mm. And so this, this idea of, you know, I'm not sure I'm getting at your whole question here. Maybe you want to reframe it again for me. This idea of, you know, um, being leaders in the feminine, uh, I believe there are no accidents. Ingrid and I met in 2018 on LinkedIn and we had a Skype call. Skype was more the thing then. <laughs> and we talked for about an hour on Skype and we realized we had a number of crossovers and, and common interests. So we kept on each other's ra- radar. And I had a radio show called The Art of Change in 2019, where I, I um, had interview, I interviewed inspiring women leaders and change makers from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And Ingen was one of the first ones I interviewed. And I was amazed in one year how much she'd grown the movement. So anyway, this is this is kind of what what brought me into really stepping up and stepping into this idea of looking at authentic feminine leadership and how we can change the world and looking at structures and how can we make them better by incorporating the feminine. And so mm. when Ingrid reached out a little over a year ago and and about a year and a half ago, I guess now, and said, we're looking for an ambassador. Initially, she said in British Columbia, and then she interviewed me with one of her board members, and then they offered me ambassador for Canada. I'm like, (laughs) I have to think about this. I said, are you sure you're not being being British Columbia? But anyway, so I thought about it for about a week, and I thought, this is so in alignment with what my mission Mm -hmm. and what I want to do in the world. So I said, yes. 
And then the commitment, a piece of that commitment was to create a legal entity. So I launched, I did some research, had a business law clinic at a local university, do some other research on an appropriate governance model. And I launched this national nonprofit female wage, waiver change Canada in December of last year. Wow. So that's how things have happened and how that's brought me into really focusing on the feminine and empowering other women Mm-hmm. I, I love that you also include like what did you tactically have to do you know what did you legally literally have to do what did you have to create because I know that there are people listening to us right now who have a grand idea they don't even maybe maybe they they know it's really big maybe they don't know quite like Inga did you know she didn't know how how big her idea was or how big it would in, unfold into um but that you do have to do some real in the world kinds of things so i appreciate that you include you know include your journey in that but i'm going to ask you something that occurs to me and i, I don't know where this is going to go um and you're talking about that feminine model of leadership and you talked before about some of the things that we see as masculine styles of leadership. But if we were to, to, to posit an authentic masculine model of leadership, what might that be? That's an interesting question. An authentic masculine model. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because what I don't what I that's challenging for me to answer because I don't see a masculine and a feminine. I see an integrated model that has both of these pieces. And I love and I'm just going to look over at a quote that I have posted close to me. Mm-hmm. Alicia Keys wrote this. She said, we all have masculine and feminine within us. And when it's all balanced, it's like accessing a superpower. Yes. Yes. So for me, it's hard for me to say, you know, a masculine model or a feminine Mm -hmm. model. I feel like with anything new, we have to emphasize the newness of it. So I feel like we're talking about the authentic feminine and what it looks and feels like because we haven't built our systems on it. So to make it happen, we need to focus on it. Like if you look at history, you look at academia, you look at different different movements that have started, it's like we need to focus on that part that's missing to raise mm-hmm. it up and gain people's understanding. And then we can meld it with what we know and the good of what we know because we need to be able to have some doing in our lives to set goals however we can't set goals and be so goal directed that we don't listen to our intuition uh-huh. and we don't also be so focused on that end point that we miss out on these other opportunities that come our way yes. and so that's the dance that's the dance of saying okay Yes. You know, just like you said, I, you know, I had to create a legal entity. I had been on a chairperson of boards before I've been on boards, but I've never created a legal nonprofit and not been, Mm -hmm. you know, creating bylaws and all these legal things that you Mm -hmm. do. However, that's part of the learning. That's part of the journey. And so we have to put these pieces in place to both protect us and to create a frame around what we do. So that's, I believe, part of the masculine, the doing piece, right? Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. tactics. And 
then those other pieces in terms of how we rule it out, then the feminine comes into more, more, more of the fore, I guess, the forefront in terms of how we do it with compassion, how we create space for creativity, because you know you're all about creativity. You cannot create if you're constantly do, do, doing. Right. You need space right. to create, mm-hmm. right? And you also need a culture that enables you to make mistakes. And a lot of our organizations, it's all about meeting those targets, satisfying the stakeholders, making profits, making money. But, it, you know, it's not about satisfying, you know, our our needs and our hearts and really coming from a positive place. Right. It's yeah. That is so such a beautiful answer, Pam. Thank you. Um, I didn't know where we, you know, what you were going to say <laughs> or what I would have said even in answer to that. I just, but I love it. I love how you described that, and it, it, it makes me reflect on the piece of co-creation or the aspect of co-creation that I'm so passionate about, which is that, that inner relationship, that inner relationship with our refined intuition and our, you know, um, uh, our gut instincts that um, are taken to a new level because we've learned how to listen inside. We've learned how to connect with, with, the field of, of potential, you know, which is really what the quantum physicists talk about as that every that contains everything. So if we're going to tap into that, then we have to know how to do that and then bring that out, not separating from it, but having that, having that dance that you just spoke about and doing that dance of living with that, the wholeness of who we are. In the totally. World. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's um, that's something that people are are longing really are longing for. They're they're feeling the lack of not having that. And I don't I, I certainly see that it's not just women that are feeling like, oh, we're not being listened to. This isn't really a, a male female kind of thing as much as it is a gosh, a part of our humanness that hasn't been given space. Yes. So when you are focused on when you, you've been doing all this work with the female wave of change, um, how are you expanding that that particular community in Canada since you're the ambassador for the whole country? This <laughs> well, very, very nice. large country. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked. Well, <laughs> we, I created a member based organization. Mm-hmm. So you you pay a certain amount, an annual fee to be, be a member. And up until a recent, very recent point, we had what we called a standard membership. And then we had a founding membership. Mm-hmm. And recently we've converted it all over to a founding or the same one. one. Uh-huh. And what that looks like right now is we have monthly meetings where we have featured guests. Mm-hmm. And I have a conversation with the guests and I basically co-create each event with the guest. So about a month before we meet via Zoom and we share ideas in terms of what the session is going to look like, what questions I will ask. We, we think about what would a small group activity look like. And then we actually co-create the objectives and the title together, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so what happens in these monthly meetings is I share a little bit about female wave of change, what we're on about, what we're part of. And then I dive into this conversation with our featured guest. And then as we move, because I've got a lot of experience facilitating groups, we throw 
well, then some of the questions that I asked for the future guests, we threw out to the participants and then they yeah. get an opportunity to input. It's not speaker Q&A. It's like really interactive. Mm-hmm. And then we have people going to break, breakouts so that they can meet other women <sighs> and from different parts of Canada and introduce themselves briefly. And they can also then deepen the discussion. And right. so there's a couple of questions and one of them, we, we set it up so that one of them will take notes and report back to the whole. So then they mm-hmm. share in the larger group. So it's an opportunity to meet other women, leaders at various points in their leadership, in their families and communities or workplaces or in their own businesses. And it's also mm-hmm. an opportunity to really um, chew on, if you will, the, the topic and, and think about it in more de- depth. For example, just, mm-hmm. just to give you an example, and you know this woman, our November, our October event coming up next week, and it's always the third Wednesday of every month, is with Anne-Marie Schrouder. Oh, yes. Called, called Exploring and Embodying Inclusive Leadership. So as you know, Anne-Marie is um, a diversity and inclusion consultant, um, a speaker, and a number one best-selling office off- author. And brilliant. Um, yes, of being brown in a black and white world. So she's an excellent guest. So we're going to talk about inclusive leadership. And to this point, what, what, the, what I've shone the light on is different aspects or different qualities of feminine leadership or feminine leadership qualities, because men can have them as well, so that people get a chance to explore them in more detail, like creativity, like inclusiveness. Um, the first um, actual program that we had was uh, we dovetailed it with International Women's Day in March. And I had a panel of three authentic feminine leaders from three different areas. One who is a partner in PricewaterhouseCoopers, very corporate. Another is a serial social entrepreneur. Another is a black woman with a PhD who is an academic and now has her own consulting company. And then I moderated, asked them questions about what quality or qualities, feminine qualities were game changers for them. What were the things that made them successful in their work and what were ones that really were challenging because you know you come in and and say i'm leading from the authentic feminine some people think like what are you talking about and yes woo woo right Mm -hmm. it's not you know so it's it doesn't have substance the languaging so that people understand there is evidence underpinning what we do Mm -hmm. we know that women like if you look at covid you look at the number of feminine leaders who have stepped up to the plate, people like Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand, Prime Minister of New Zealand, you know, very quickly got a handle on COVID, shut the doors to the country and and kept, you know, um, COVID at a minimum, really effectively and efficiently dealt with it. Whereas a lot of the male-dominated countries did not do near as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's this, this business of, Moving forward, I need you to repeat the question or deepen it because I'm <laughs> I've lost my track. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit if we can. Sure. You you have uh, a wonderful book, Learning to Dance with Life. That's a guide for high achieving women, and you talk a lot about in there about about transition and and you know, because that's, it's not only in the title, but it's, it's a key for how we move into our own potency, that ability to embrace transitions. And, and because, you know, everything right now is, is so much in transition in the world. And so many people are faced with, with different kinds of transitions. 
um, can you can you speak to what it is that is is most needed in order to navigate transitions transitions successfully uh, as we're in this great change? Thanks for asking. Uh, yes. Well, one of the keys, as you mentioned in my book, is learn from and embrace life transition. And it's interesting. I um, I pulled that key out a few years ago in my business and really focused my business on what I call the art of change. Mm -hmm. And I was heavily influenced by a man called William Bridges. You may have heard of him. He's oh, yes. He's worked yes. with people and organizations for like 30 years. He's passed out. He's passed now. But I learned a lot from him. And one of the things that he, he said was there is a difference between a transition and a life change. And he said a life change is something situational, external to us, like a pink slip when you're let go from an organization or a separation agreement, right? Something really external that you can see. Whereas a transition is something that's internal and psychological. It's the internal psychological adjustment you have to make to reorient and readjust yourself to the new way of being. Your new, you're, you're not being married anymore, for example, not having that same position anymore. Um, so, mm -hmm. And so I really love that because what happens is a lot of us do the change and we say, okay, I've done it. I'm moving on. But we don't take the time to, the, to, that, to do that transition work, that internal psychological work. And so we keep repeating the same patterns often in our lives. So, you know, people who've been married four and five times mm -hmm. and they marry somebody who's sometimes even looks similar to the previous <laughs> spouse. And then they, they end up going through the same patterns and having the same issues because they've cho chosen that person again, who's very similar to work through, but they don't work. They don't take the time between relationships to really find out who they are and mm -hmm. what they want in life. And make themselves whole, if you will. Because if you don't get clear on who you are, you keep try, trying to find others to make you whole. And then you're never really happy because you keep searching, searching, mm -hmm. searching. Whereas we need to search inside to find out who we are, right? And create the space and the time to do that. Yeah. So this is a little bit roundabout way to answer your question, but in That's terms okay. of, yeah, it's like, this is, to me, this is really important for people to get a handle on because, so, so what I did is I created this five-step art of change process and it's underpinned by the belief that embracing change is a creative process that's, that opens us up to new possibilities. Mm -hmm. And it's also based on the metaphor, life is a dance. And some people might think, well, that's kind of a fluffy way to think about change, but it kind of turns change on its head because the way a lot of people think about change and the way physiologically we tend to respond to it is it's something to be feared. Like our yeah. body goes into fight, flight, or freeze, right? And that's natural. Our amygdala goes out searching, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you change your belief around change and you think, wow, change is embracing change. If I embrace change, it's a possibility. to. It's, it enables me to create new possibilities in my yeah. life. And when I reflect on changes that have happened to me in my life, a lot of times there's always a silver lining. Like you get let go from a position and then this whole new world opens up to, 
to you. Maybe you start your own business. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, um, a new opportunity comes, comes up that let, lets you really focus on where your heart is and, and what your passion is, right? So there, I believe there's always a silver lining in whatever comes to us. So anyway, in this process, it's been, I basically developed a five-step process based on this metaphor and underpinned by the belief embracing change as a creative process that opens us up to new possibilities. And it in, integrates evidence and work from William Bridges and also my own work internationally with groups and organizations. Mm-hmm. And so the first piece talks about shining the light. So you have to, you actually can use this process and this framework to identify one transition you're dealing with. So it's really important to focus on one. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe you're, you quit your job, right? Maybe you did on your own or you were let go. And so shining the light is really identifying that transition that you want, want to work on. Mm-hmm. So it's not the, the thing itself. It's uh, almost the container for the, for the, that inciting incident. Right, right. And then you really choose your dance. You really, you go, go into it in more detail. So that's part of choosing, choosing the dance as part of, excuse me, identifying the transition and then shining the light is really looking at how you typically respond to change. Like, so reading, giving some asking people to rate themselves on a scale from one to 10, how do I typically respond to change? One being scares me to death, 10 being I thrive on it. A lot of leaders put themselves really high up in terms mm-hmm. of how they respond to change. But then if you ask them, and when I ask myself as well, you may want to try this, mm-hmm. is like, how, how do you respond to a change that's imposed on you from outside? Yeah. Like say all of a sudden the love of your life says they don't love you anymore. That's a really uh-huh. dramatic thing, but it happens. Like sure. how do you respond? Is it a, a nine or a 10 or are you down at a five or a six? For me, I notice when something's imposed, I'm down way further. I would put myself at like a nine typically, but then if something's imposed that I feel I have no control over, it goes down to a five or a six. Yeah. And that's where the learning is. That's where the learning is to be able to say, oh, I notice, you know, the amygdala started firing and this part of my brain that that doesn't like change and that gets, it attends to anything that's fearful. Okay. So how can I go beyond that to dancing with it? So then it's feeling the rhythm and learning the steps. And then that's when you really focus on embracing change in your body rather than resisting it. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously different mindfulness techniques, like at the outset, we we got into our bodies that you can use when you work with people. And then building on Bridges' work, he said that for any change and transition, there's three different phases people go through. There's an ending, a neutral zone, and a new beginning, Mm -hmm. which is a simple way to talk about a complex com- complex concept yeah no i like that i talk <laughs> i talk about that intermediate phase if you will as the void as being in the unknown exactly and that's what it is so mm-hmm. this ending phase includes letting go mm-hmm. so if it's, it's if it's a position it's letting go of the status you have yes. letting go of the financial security if you're starting your own business right letting go of the way things used to be in your life right mm-hmm. it's create and then you also I've added to that piece, identifying lessons learned. What did you learn mm-hmm. from doing that work? What do you, what did you learn that you don't want to repeat again? Yes. You know, maybe you were in a relationship with a man who didn't really communicate. 
he was really honest, caring, but he didn't really, he wouldn't let you in, do you know? Mm -hmm. And so then the next relationship, you realize you got to have somebody who really communicates with you and wants to do like activities as you age, like you have commonalities. It's just not all about the physical attraction, right? So it's identifying lessons learned, letting go, identifying lessons learned in, in the first phase. And then it's, you call it the vo void. I call it the, William Bridges calls it the neutral zone. Mm -hmm. And that's the opportunity to really envision that new relationship, mm. that new life, that new business of your dreams. Mm -hmm. So you envision it. And then the next phase, the new beginning is actually when you take action. Because we have it, we have to take action. Right. Or that vision you created in uh -huh. that neutral zone. And in that neutral zone, it's really it's, it's normal to feel uncomfortable. And often people go back and forth between the letting go, the phase one and the neutral zone. You know, it's like, I don't know whether you've done this, but I certainly, before I married my first husband, I broke, we broke up five times before we actually got engaged and got here. I guess I should have known that might be getting me a clue, right? No. Anyway, so yeah, but that's the point. It's like, and that's okay. Like, because we need to feel comfortable with it and we need to, but if you believe and you understand the process, it's so much more helpful because then you can really understand you're not going crazy. You're not alone in this. Right. It gives you a framework and a model to work it through, right? So I use this with my coaching clients, but I also use it in organizations and with groups because think about this if you're a leader and you have a team or teams before or as you're going into change ideally before but sometimes these things just happen and you're in the midst of them right think about if at the beginning of the change people got the opportunity to explore how they responded to change and why and then people yeah. shared their numbers with no what should i say no judgment right so if i'm right. in line that doesn't make me better than you it's just it just is so that then you open the door to say, during the process, let us know how we can support you. If you know now, based on past experience, what we can do to support you through this change, some people need more support than others, and that's okay. You know, and, and it really, I think, really opens up people to communicate more effectively. And it also makes people move forward with the change. And obviously, parts of the puzzle are helping them co-create with you rather than imposing change from being exactly. above, which is all this, to, you know, I, I sort of laugh and I shouldn't about managing change. Who can really manage change? Like, guys, <laughs> well, I'm a change management expert. Oh, really? You know how to manage it? Really? Tell me more. What, what would that look like? Instead of, instead of, as you've said, dancing with it. And embracing it mm -hmm. because, you know, you can't really manage it. You can, you can learn lessons from it and then actively understanding people, how they respond to change and then involving them with their pro process rather than forcing it from the top down and mm -hmm. pitching it basically. Well, you know, because people, if they don't have ownership, they don't, they just say, Oh, here's another change. And they're not really listening to me. But if you involve them in the change, it makes all the difference. Right. So to me, this is this model. It's fun. And initially people, you know, think who are really from a masculine model think, oh, but really I feel that that's what it's about. And the dance metaphor plays out in it.
you know? And uh, so it's practice, practice, practice. So you go through the process, you let go, you enter the neutral zone, you envision, you take action and you do this. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes like anything, right? And then you consciously share your dance with the world and you observe Mm. the changes in yourself, your coworkers, your family, your community, and it ripples out because we know we're all part of the puzzle. We're all part of systems. Mm -hmm. And it's like throwing that rock into the, that pebble into the pond. We all create, you know, whatever we do in the world, it has an impact. Impacts we don't even maybe know about. I, I'll just share with you something recently because I was communicating with someone I used to work with in Afghanistan. I, I did a work with the Ministry of Public Health for 13 months. I lived and worked in Kabul and I helped the ministry develop their first strategic plan and built the capacity of internal teams to do. Oh, you may know a friend of mine. Okay. We'll talk. I might. Anyway. So yesterday I was communicating back and forth with, with fellow who, who now is in the UK and got out of Afghanistan, which is a good thing. And he said that he really likes my book and he shared it with many of the ministers, the ministers and ex-ministers in the ministry. And he said that the, the feminine, the women leaders, previous um, deputies and other women ministers who were there, who obviously aren't in government anymore under the mm-hmm. Taliban, he shared it with them and they really enjoyed it and they were living, living it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you just never know. You write a book and you just never know, right? Because I wrote that and watched that after I was in Afghanistan, right? Right, right. And, and the thing about the ripple effect is that if I'm going through change, no matter what sort it is, whether it's self-imposed or outside imposed, that in and of itself has an effect on, on let's say, my immediate family and my close friends, because how I relate to that, how I embrace it or not, is going to have a direct impact on them. And they may be people who uh, are, are, are very uncomfortable with dancing with change, whereas it's easier for me. But if I if I don't in some way bring them in, in some way embrace them in the process and and uh, include them in in the whole um, understanding of it, it has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't have the ability to make the um, to really go forward in a way that that um, acknowledges all of those ripples. Well said. Yeah. So I'm going to take us into yet another direction. I love you. You told me about this and I'm, and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about that. And that is that you're writing a novel. I am. I'm my first foray into official foray into fiction. Yes. Um, and it's, you even have a title. Can I share it? Is that okay? Certainly you may. Um, the exploits of Minerva. Reflections of a 60-something woman. So, okay, are you Minerva? Uh, You're not, but maybe you are. Um, Tell us about this book. Well, Minerva is a really interesting character. And my why for writing this novel is to share a number of transitions women go through and to make them understand that they're not alone. Mm. And a lot of times I originally was going to write a memoir and then I chose to focus on Minerva who came into my sphere in my forties. I was riding a bike in Ottawa where I used to live. And all of a sudden I got Minerva and her playful energy and, but I stuffed it, stuffed her down. And then more recently she came back and I'm like, okay, no, I'm not writing my memoir. I'm 
writing about Minerva. So a lot of times when we write things from a fiction perspective, people take them in and understand them differently Mm -hmm. than if we write them as if they're true life experiences. So I want women to not only understand uh, that they're not alone in the world, but also younger women to better understand their moms and their nanas and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to understand what, what things are happening and, and how the strength of women really. Yes. And there's so many things that, that we don't talk about, like death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. for example, right? Mm-hmm. People talk about that, right? And and the, the phases people go through. So part of this book, it does have, there's parts of Minerva that are me, no doubt. Mm-hmm. It's hard to write without right. part of yourself <laughs> in there. And um, however, I also interviewed friends and friends of friends to develop composite characters. And the context is six women in a women's circle who have been meeting together for 25 years. And sharing and supporting one another. And I am in a women's circle. I've only been in it for three years. So I know what you can do in a women's Mm -hmm. circle, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and these women come from all different walks of life. And the thing that binds them is is this circle, but also that they've all been ambitious women, right? Uh, Big doers, right? So part of this process is sharing what people go through, through the lens of Minerva, and you know it's like one woman for example who lost the love of her life in a, from cancer metastases from from cancer in his early 60s and she met him when she was like in her early 20s right and they had this wonderful life and he died and she basically said she was able to articulate the first year she was totally numb she couldn't cry and then a piece of music helped her to thaw And then she went through a process where she started to come into her own and started to think about herself and differentiate herself from being in that couple. And it was painful. However, she knew she had to do it. And she started to, you know, because when he was sick, sick, all her focus was on him and caring for him. And so she gained like 30 pounds. So she started to lose weight and focus on doing things for herself and self-care. And then a few years later, I have to, I have, you have to laugh at this when she said I've started to notice men and I started to have this incredible urge to have sex. Like who talks about this stuff? <laughs> so but the point is, so this is, there's playfulness in this, but we're revealing mm-hmm. things that women don't share. Right. So that other women, when they, when they face it, don't think they're alone. And it, so yeah. again, promote this understanding about women. Right. And Minerva herself is really quite fun mm-hmm. and playful. And yeah, yeah. And so anyway, so, so that's, that's, that's partly my why, and that's what the book's about. And I'm hoping to launch it in, in 2022, probably later on in 2022. Oh, congratulations. I can't, <laughs> wait, to, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> so if you need a reader, let me know. Okay, Lori, I'll keep that in mind. Well, Pam, thank you so much for for being with us today. Um, you've given us a lot to think about, for one, and and also brought to light the potential and the possibilities that are right here before us. And and that that is so meaningful and so needed. How can people find out more about you and connect with you? What's the best way for people to to find it, find you? Well, there is my website at Pamela Hyphen Thompson T H O M pson.com uh-huh. you can go there um i'm i'm obviously on linkedin and facebook and twitter 
and if people are interested in learning more about Female Wave of Change and Female Wave of Change Canada, Female Wave of Change Canada is fwocanada.com. And the larger movement is femalewaveofchange.com. Okay, that's so important because we're in so many countries. We have listeners all over the world. That's right, exactly. And, and there are ambassadors in many different countries and in a few of the states. There's not one for the all USA, but there are in some of the states. And mm-hmm. we have, looking for others in other states. So. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you again for being here today with us. I really appreciate you, Pam. Well, thank you, Laurie. I so enjoyed chatting with you. It's always fun to converse together and deepen the conversation about these things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And thanks to you for being with us, our listeners today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. Because remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review. That, when you leave a review, that helps more people to access the wisdom. And because this is what we're all about here and certainly in our conversation today about transforming the world. And for more about fast tracking your great ideas to creation and to revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. That's B-A-C-A. Take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.